There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to episode 67 of Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode 10 of season 2 of The Magicians. So, you've been getting us rating news, and we've had some problems lately with Nielsen. Yes. So have we gotten better news this week? Like, were they able to recover everything? No. Oh, geez. They have not recovered that one week that they were down for that weekend. They did not have not recovered, or at least haven't. I haven't seen it posted anywhere. Okay. So what do we got for this last one, though? All right. Episode 10, we had a 0.26 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.724 million viewers, making it the 31st overall cable show of the week, which is an increase over last week. Nice. And episode 7, Plan B, the Live Plus 7. We tied for ninth in adults 18 to 49 total gain, going from a 0.2 to a 0.7 for an increase of 250%. Wow. We tied for second in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain with that 250%. And we tied for fifth in viewers percentage gain, going from 0.626 to 1.469 million viewers for an increase of 135%. Pretty amazing with these numbers. Yes, they are. Uh, so, let's jump in because there's a lot happening again. Oh, <laughs> and it's isn't like, there always? Like how? <laughs> I know, it's like these last few episodes, both this and our other recent show, The, the Expanse, they are trying to just give us all heart attacks or something. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> because there's just so much and you want more. And it's just surprising when I was tweeting it. It's like, holy crap, it's already quarter to, you know, quarter till. How, how did 45 minutes go past? <laughs> and I apologize if, to everybody if I wasn't tweeting as much. It's one of these shows that I was really getting sucked into this episode. So it was kind of hard to do both. Right. <sighs> I don't know about you, but I am really grateful. For everybody who's out there tweeting, too, because when something huge and surprising happens, at least now I'm not the only one like, oh, my God, did yeah. you see that, that happen? <laughs> Which, that was a big one in this episode, and that was oh, the end was. scene. Yeah. <laughs> which we'll talk about, obviously, towards the end. So, Steve, take it away. All right. Episode 10, The Girl Who Told Time. Quentin helps Julia with her search. Elliot endeavors to win over his people as Margot tries to keep divesting a secret. Katie and Penny are caught between two magical factions. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay. First of all, it's awesome having Marley Matlin on this episode. 
Yes, it was. And I thought it was pretty incredible that Katie had known how to sign. Yes. And it just makes me wonder, oh my gosh, I forgot her real name. The girl who plays Katie. I wonder how much if she actually knew any sign language previous to this. Right. Just because I know some. It is not that easy if you don't know anything. Right. Yeah. Talk about the hardest language in the world to learn. Right. (laughs) You really got to get everything together. So uh, it was pretty impressive. And I, I liked that the magicians, basically, it's all inclusive. Although it's kind of funny that Penny thought, you know, she was trying to, you know, do a spell. When she was right. actually just starting to <laughs> to talk, which is funny, but we'll get to all that. So actually, how about we just jump in with Penny and Katie then, since I've already jumped to that kind of. That's all right. Let's do it. <laughs> so it was great because Katie was, you know, in the beginning, like, okay, there's got to be a way for us to figure this out. I still feel bad for Julia, but we have shit we got to do. Right. And Penny is all, all on board. Like, I will help you. And of course, as soon as Katie said, well, when do you have to start working for the library? And he's like, not today. You knew that something was going to happen. Yeah. Especially when, yeah, when he says, oh, yeah, this overdue book is going to take him three or four weeks. I got plenty of time. And they walked in through a door and they're in the library. (laughs) Yeah. Just the fact that he said that, I just knew. It's like, oh, God. Right. That was a dumb move. Kind of like. Oh, we're nice and slow today, you know, at any job ever. And next thing you know, bam. So what did you think about the way the librarian brought them there? I mean, obviously, you know, Penny can travel. So the doorway, I don't think was that big of a deal. But I I shouldn't say the way she brought them there. The reason she brought them there. Both. Well, yeah, I enjoyed the way she brought them there. It was real nice to just see the, you know, you're in bright bills and you open a door and all of a sudden you're in the library so (laughs) instant teleportation without being aware you're doing it (laughs) right if only they could do that all the time exactly so but and the reason yeah you you've got to expect that part of his job and she even told him that in the previous episode was collection of overdue books Mm -hmm. and sure enough the one that he was given was an overdue book yeah but I was kind of surprised that she went ahead and brought Katie along and is basically having Katie help him, which seemed like it was kind of odd because, I mean, she does say, I can't tell you what he needs to do, but you will be useful for him. Katie didn't sign on. So what what do you think is going on with that? Well, I had a feeling that they probably knew that Katie would need to be there to communicate with the lady. Because they they knew that she signed. Oh. And they probably knew that Katie knew some signing and knew that Penny didn't know any signing. Okay. See, I, I mean, didn't that's even the only think valid about that. thing I could come up with why they would let Katie go with him on his mission. And they do say, you know, oh yeah, we'll we'll fix your hands, we'll help you, but you have to find the information yourself, which is kind of crap. At least give oh, him his absolutely magic. Absolutely it was. Yeah. I mean, gosh, just give it that back to him so he could do what he needs to do and help you guys. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, again, you know, you have this library with infinite knowledge, but kind of jerky people working there. Because as Penny's yes. getting his evaluation, or not evaluation, his assignment, you have Katie, you know, looking around and then finally asks, hey, do you have anything that'll help this? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, let me look. No. 
I mean, he does yeah. send up the message and it comes right back. But if this is supposed to be something that has all the knowledge from everywhere, uh, I wasn't buying it. But I no. was very interested in the fact that he said the knowledge may exist, but it's not written down. Like the fact that he said that very specifically makes me feel like there's something else that's going to come. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that he wasn't telling the truth and that, yeah, more than likely it's kept somewhere where very few people have ever have had access to it. Which may be the other part of the library, which we kind of got a glimpse at. Right. Without actually glimpsing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's get back to Betty and Katie first. So, yeah, they're on their little way to go find this overdue book. And, oh, hey, look at where they end up. Buzzbeat. Right. <laughs> and everybody's like, huh, seems a lot like BuzzFeed. And, oh, look at all this clickbait stuff. What is this crap? Which I thought was funny. Right. <laughs> and then it turns out that it's like, oh, no, it's actually, like, disguised magic. Which they never exactly said who is getting this knowledge. Is it all, like, Marley Matlin's character is getting this somehow to use? or? She's sharing this information. Yeah, she's sharing this information. Oh, okay. I was a little confused. Like, somehow, whatever she's doing is getting information just to her. But um, I did like that there was a weird unicorn in a tutu. Right. Uh, like, in the corner, it's just this mannequin. And then um, Mr. Arjun Gupta Penny was posting pictures how he was making out. With <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Obviously, he yes. didn't do that on you know, during the shoot there, but yeah, in between right. scenes. Yes. <laughs> kind of interesting how she was showing, Marley Mantlet's character was showing how all this other stuff has happened. So she has to be a magician that came out of Breakfields or another school in order to have access, correct? To the library. Well, that I'm not sure of. I'm not 100% sure that we know exactly who has access to the library and who doesn't. You would think that it would be break bill students but i kind of got the feeling that maybe she didn't attend break bills because she was disseminating this information over the internet to other magicians that may not have access to the information see that's where i was like see we kind of get this have and have nots you know you got the break bill kids that are the haves and the hedge witches are the have-nots. You know, that, you almost yeah. have a class system showing up here. That's where I was just getting kind of confused because I didn't understand if she's just sharing some of this with people who, you know, like maybe didn't learn those spells and, you know, they're, they're like trying to expand or she was getting the information from people who went to Break Bills or another institute because we don't know if Break Bills is the only one. Right. I, I would assume true. there's probably more. I you mean, there was more than one. It wasn't just Hogwarts, you know, for example. But yeah. I was also wondering if it was sharing with hedges, because I feel like the hedges that we had seen only had limited knowledge, you know, what they've been able to, to get and like they didn't necessarily share the information. So that's where I was running into a little bit of confusion with her character and what she was doing and who she was helping or getting spells from. Right. So, I mean, we know that they were having to break into break bills to get certain spells and yeah were was she actually teaching the hedges under her those spells 
yeah, you kind of think not because of the way she kind of ruled over everybody. So, right. But there could be some of the people in her group could have very easily known about this uh, website and started learning, you know, these additional spells that they wouldn't have had access to anyway, either way. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And I wonder if this is in the book. So anybody who has read the book, please, you know, shoot us an email, fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com, because I don't know, or if she was just kind of created for the show. But I think that would be interesting to find out. Yes. But she manages to talk to Katie for a minute while Penny is just kind of pouting that he doesn't know what's happening. Yes. <laughs> and Katie just kind of jokes around about, oh, something to, like, kill a trickster god. And I understand Katie's looking for this information, but she seems to be just kind of sharing this with a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like it's probably not the best of ideas. No, because you didn't have a clue that maybe this lady was working for Renard. Right. And that's why it's like, quit telling everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I think Renard probably knows at this point, they're going to want to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that he knows that (laughs) Julia's gunning for him. So she just goes to this little, little bookcase and she's like, oh yes, okay, here's the book from 10 years overdue. Right. Hope she doesn't have to pay uh, the late fees. Right. She opens it up and looks at the card that's inside. Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember what they're called. I haven't been to the library in forever. (laughs) That says what date it's supposed to come back. Right. She puts it back and hands it back. Well, apparently. Well, she kind of thumped it. Yeah. Before she put it back in and you go, all right, what the hell did you do to that card? See, I didn't think anything of that. It's kind of like, okay, here it is. That's why I was. Like, okay, big deal. And she hands it back. But apparently, it was a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Because she did some kind of spell to it. And that was pretty impressive, unless she knew somebody was coming and was able to do, you know, start the spell and just do it when she grabbed it. It just seemed like there was no movement. And, like, everything we've seen up until now has been kind of, like, really intricate finger movements. Right. And this was just a little thump of the finger. So the only other thing, and this comes from a book that I'm reading, that if there's some kind of interrupt spell, like where they can start something, pause, and then finish like with the last movement or two, and then the right. spell takes, okay. takes right. hold. And that's a very good possibility. So many books, so many magic things happening so that's why it's like it starts to make me think hmm, what if this what if that so i don't know but it's interesting because we know nothing about her we don't know like i said if she's a hedge if she's an alum if, or whatnot so i'm hoping we learn more about this because whatever she did was pretty intense just a bit yeah penny takes the book back because you know and katie's of course telling him like you're a jerk <laughs> because he was pouting like the whole time she was talking to him. To her. Right. So they take back. Penny's like, here, now help me find my book. Again, yes, Penny. Fix my hands. Yes, I know. I know you're upset, but don't be a pouty baby. <laughs> That's not going to help. Kind of strange that he's uh, gone from probably the most macho character on the in the series to, to this. <laughs> right. Ugh, it's kind of annoying. But at least he's going to get his hands fixed. Or at least so we thought. Right. 
because the guy takes it and he, you know, he's like, checks the book back in. And all of a sudden he starts acting really weird. And Penny, you know, keeps saying, you know, like, dude, what are you doing? Can you help me? What? Are you, where are you going? What are you? <laughs> and he's walking really strange. And I'm, as I'm watching it, I mean, obviously we've seen like the smoke come from the book. Right. And I was like, all right, this is not going to be good. But no. the guy was fighting pretty hard. And he finally at least was able to say, I can't stop myself. I'm not doing this. And he tries to warn Penny because he turns and he does what I'm assuming is battle magic because he like, knocks him pretty far back. Yes. And he starts going to a door and pulls out keys all of a sudden. It's like, <laughs> okay, what's going on? And he's fighting not to open the door. And I'm thinking, what the hell's back there? Yeah. <laughs> now, my first thought was, okay, they did something. You know, she did something to him and he's going to open the door and it's going to let her in. Like it's a different way into it. Right. And then she's going to do something bad is basically what I thought. But it it seems so much worse than that. Because the guy was eventually uh, takes his own life to keep from opening that door. Right. There's a switch. Uh, a sign says in case of emergency, break glass. <laughs> it was a literal kill switch. Yes. To actually just literally kill this man. And he gave his life. And I thought it was something like to knock him out, you know, but. Because I didn't see that it said kill switch until they right. go back to it. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> what is that? That was crazy. Yes, it was. And I I mean, the head librarian did not want to tell Penny what the heck was going on. She's like, there's nope. some stuff you'll learn later. He's like, are you kidding me? You had me go get this book. I brought it back. And now this man killed himself instead of opening a door. What the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And she still doesn't exactly tell him. She just says, you know, there's stuff that can't be let out and it's like restricted reading. Right. Uh, that's still, I have to agree with Petty. Really? The guy killed himself over some banned books. You got to give me more information here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping we get more, but, but Penny gets Katie and they go back to the, what was the place called again? Cause I want to say Fuzzbeat. Fuzzbeat. Cause I almost said it the other way. <laughs> and it was totally empty. Yeah, completely cleared out. So it's like, was that place even real? What the heck was going on? Was it some weird setup just to get Penny and Katie there? It makes you that, wonder. Yes, it does. And that is a possibility. But basically, my take on it was, yeah, because she had put that spell on the card they had a beat feet. The librarians knew who had the book and where to find her, so she had to disappear. Ah, gotcha. So she did leave Katie a card, though. Yes, she did. Which had to piss Katie off, because it's like, thank you so much. It's like, wow, you're thanking her for essentially killing a man. Right. That's got to hurt Katie a little bit. But she was pissed because they were gone, and but there was information in that card. Yes. It's like there's not any book that the library doesn't have. Have. And there was a name of a book. So do we think this book is in the restricted section of the library? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be in the poison room. Ah. Now, do you think Katie is ever going to be able to access it? Oh, I imagine that uh, Penny will find a way to get in there and... Um, Either get Katie in there or get the book out of there. One of the two. Hmm. I don't know. I question a lot of it because 
we don't know exactly what the librarian is either. What if she's like a god? We really yeah. don't know. No, we know nothing about the librarians at all. She could very well be Athena, goddess of wisdom. <laughs> and that's yeah. why she wouldn't want anybody to know how to kill a god. But now I'm just really stretching, so I have no idea. <laughs> I'm hoping we learn more. I mean, geez, we can have a whole episode on who and what is going on with the library. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I have noticed here recently is that there's a a neat gender flip happening. Instead of the woman being the love interest coming along on the man's quest, Penny has become very much the support role. Okay. Katie does all the magic and knows all the languages, and Penny's just kind of there to help her out. That's true, but... Yeah, that's cause real interesting. Katie's the traveler. I mean, I'm sorry, Penny's the traveler, and Katie has all the magic. So, right, maybe that's why everything kind of flipped this time. Uh, it's been moving that way ever since Penny and Katie saw each and other. They again. made up. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had the one makeup, and then uh... <laughs> uh, we don't know how many at this yeah. point. Uh, that's true. <laughs> all right. Now that we spent all that time on Penny and Katie. Where shall we go next, Steve? Uh, let's go to Fillory and talk about <laughs> Elliot, Margot, and the crew. Yeah. Uh, again, interesting things happening here. Yes. Where A lot. <laughs> when you have Margot... I'm sorry, because we have to throw in Quint, Quentin here. Oh, yeah. When you have Margot take away your alcohol and tell you that you've been like Debbie Downer for a while and you can't have any more, you know there's a problem. Yes, a big problem. <laughs> Because apparently, you know, Quentin is like, it's only been like three days. She's like, it's been months here. Right. Don't give me that crap. I loved it because she's so blunt. And I won't say what she said yeah. about needing some time alone. But yes. apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently that kind of uh, woke Quentin up a bit. And he's like, okay, then. Yeah. Yeah. After first... Uh getting threatened that um, she was going to cut the bee uh, <laughs> and then saying she needed some time to herself. Uh, Elliot kind of said, I mean, Quentin kind of said, yeah, okay, I'll help Elliot because Elliot, help Elliot has become like groomzilla. She said, yes, <laughs> which I thought that was funny. I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem like Elliot would be stressing this much about a wedding, but he's like freaking out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's like he his choice this time. I think that has a lot to do with it. And it's another king. So uh, something a little more than I have to marry this person. A peasant yeah. girl. Yeah. All righty. So he's freaking out and firing people and banishing people. And so he sends Quentin to go get a certain somebody. Yes. Jeez, <laughs> oh, this man. Uh, oh, Josh. He he uh was having a bake sale back at Break Bills. <laughs> <laughs> a get baked sale is kind of what I was thinking it was more. Right. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure nothing could go wrong because he, even though Quentin is like, we have to go back. Elliot needs you in Fillory, and he's like, oh really, me? Okay, you look pretty down, man. Here, why don't you try this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Give somebody who's been drinking excessively and has been depressed something that will really screw with them because he can see other dimensions with whatever it was that he got. Yeah. That was some mighty good hallucinogenic. That's for <laughs> sure. 
I was just like thinking, yeah, this can't go wrong for us at all. It didn't exactly go wrong. No. Because it actually helped Quentin get some good information. Vital information, yes. Now, Quentin is seeing Julia's shade, but she's like a 12-year-old kid. Right. And my question I put out there to the world is, why is the shade a 12-year-old child? Now, I got a lot of good responses, but I pose that question to you right now. Well, I kind of believe that that is pretty much a point in your life where you really have a very clear view of what's right and what's wrong. And as you get older, those lines kind of get grayed. Okay. And so that kind of makes sense that, yes, your shade would be a young child that has a very strong sense of right and wrong. Okay. A lot of the responses I got were along the lines of, it's it's your literal inner child or childlike innocence. Right. So I, I feel like, yeah, it's pretty much along the same thing you've just said. Yeah. So I think that's good. And it was just kind of weird, though. It's like, okay, you have to go rescue a kid. It makes me wonder what the beast's inner child, you know, his shade would have been like. Because we've seen him very early on lose his innocence. Right. Yes. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah, it probably would have been whatever his age was before he moved, had to live with them. Ah, okay. So, you know, Quentin goes back and he tells Elliot, I really need to do something. I have to help. I, I'm sorry. I can't help you anymore. And Elliot seemed kind of ticked. But, <laughs> but then he's like, okay, fine. But if you miss my wedding, I'll kill you. Right. <laughs> and then they hugged, which was so sweet. But is it just me or is Hale Applebottom like really that much taller than everyone else? Because he looked yeah. so freaking tall in this episode. So we have Elliot yes, a full head higher than Quentin. <laughs> so I was like, holy cow, he's so tall. But it, it was sweet because it's like, okay, listen, I brought you the guy to do your cooking. You're going to be good. Don't worry. And if not, he's got other things that'll help you out. He's like, I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. So Q leaves, but then we still have fillery happen. So Elliot's still freaking out. Margo's like, all right, what? Calm down. And Elliot's like, every time I go try to talk to Finn, like, she's having a conversation by herself, but not saying anything. Go talk to her. Something's weird. And right at that moment when he says it, Margo's like looking past him and sees a fairy. And she's, like, doing the same thing that Elliot's talking about, like, staring off in right. the face. And I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for him to go, what the hell are you looking at? But he never said anything. I don't know if that was good or bad. Ah, and I'm still like, come on, Margo, tell him what happened. Tell him. Right. And Margo has still not said how she fixed the wellspring, even if he's asked. She avoids, avoids, avoids. Yes, and she completely avoided the aunt talking to Elliot and actually went to Finn and basically told her that, yeah, here's the deal we cut. Well, first I think it was funny because Finn's like, oh my God, you see them too? Because she's, you know, Margo's actually trying to talk to one of the fairies. Right. And then she has to tell her. But, I mean, I was a little upset because Finn was like, I didn't promise that. It's like, uh, but you did. Right. And... I felt bad for her, but I was kind of bad. Like, like, all of a sudden, she's like, I didn't. No, no, no. That's not what I said. I didn't choose that, blah, blah. No, you didn't choose it, but you did say you wanted to save Elliot, no matter what. Right. So, uh, I'm going to toss up. 
because Margot thinks she can fix everything. And I don't think there's any chance she can fix this. No, I don't think so either. And especially with the final scene. So it was a little crazy. And yes. Finn is, had run off to go talk to Elliot to tell him what was going on. And you see him out on a balcony. And Finn runs to him. And she's like, oh, my God, you know what happened? And she goes to say something to him. And he turns around. And it's Elliot. And then it's not Elliot. Then it's the creepy fairy. And they are so creepy looking. Yes, you know, for fairies, those are... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's the no eyebrow thing that gets me more than anything. Right. And the solid dark eyes. Yeah. Just the fact that they have no eyebrows and their eyes are a little bigger. They just look completely alien. Yes. And that's what creeps me out more than anything. Not the fact <laughs> that they're floating and nobody else can see them. But weirdly, you have zero eyebrows. And weird, like, bigger eyes. So, yeah. It's just alien and creepy. So, I know I was freaking out with that final scene. Because I could yes. not believe that they're just like, poof, there's she's gone. I'm like, wait, what? What's happening? Where'd she go? Holy crap, that's the end of the show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the end of the episode. What do you mean? you? What? <laughs> so, I'm hoping that we see her again soon. But, I mean... Do we think we will? I mean, how far along is she supposed to be? Because there was a three-month gap that we just learned happened. Right. And she wasn't very far along previous to that. So I no. was thinking she was only maybe like five months along. Yeah, the most. And I'm like, um, why are they taking her already? Now, yeah. Because <laughs> they know that Margot's going to try to get out of it, so. But isn't that breaching their side somehow? Or is that what we might find out next episode? Uh, I definitely think we're going to find that out. I hope so. Because, yeah, Elliot's not going to stand for Finn just disappearing. Right. Although, right now, he's so caught up with the wedding. I don't know. He might yeah. not notice. That's pretty messed up if he doesn't. Right. And I don't think he will not notice. I guess we'll find out very soon. Yes. All right. And then Margo will have to fess up. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Julia and Quentin for a moment. Right. Now, Quentin goes to Julia's apartment. <laughs> and she slams the door. Huh? Ah, go away. Yeah, she didn't know. She wasn't going to open it. Well, she had started to, which I'm guessing she was leaving. Or no, he had knocked. Right. And he had again, knocked. what is it? And I've talked to you about this before in other shows. What is it with TV people not having any kind of people in their, their door? Yeah. <laughs> and especially if they're supposed to be in New York, really? You're just going to open your door if somebody knocks? No. No, yeah. not on your life. But, yeah, she opens it and closes the door, which I thought was funny, because she's like, ah, go away. Yeah, I don't want to see you. I don't want you to be mad at me is basically what it was, but hello, slamming the door in somebody's face, I don't think is the way to make them not mad at you. Right. <laughs> so, he finally talks her into opening the door, because he's like, listen, I've seen your shade. Right. And I think that was like, you know, major... Like, breaking, like, wait, what? You did how? Right. So he comes in, he explains it. They're like, okay, now suddenly they're on a mission. And interestingly enough, this episode, we see Julia in one of the other 39 timelines when she was at Break Bills. Right. And how she has excelled in certain spells. And she's talking to Fog in this. So later when Quentin and uh, Julia are trying to figure out what to do, and they're researching, 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 and you have a very stoned Todd. physical kid. <laughs> and uh, 
he just happens to mention, oh, yeah, Fog knows all about shades. Because I'm interning for him, so I have to write all this stuff down that he says. Because he's got a book. It's like, hey, hey, back on track. We're talking about shades. What did you say? Right. <laughs> and I was actually interested. It's like, wait, he's got a book deal? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he talks about it. So they go to talk to Fog. Okay, listen. Why haven't you volunteered this information when you know what the heck is happening? Right. And especially seeing that it was Fog who let Julia out of the clean room anyway. Right. So he knew everything. Yeah. He should have told her right then and there. Oh, that's so irritating with Fog. <laughs> but it turns out he doesn't really know about Shades. He knows somebody who knows about him. Right. And then it gets weirder because it was in one of the 39 timelines. And it ends up being Alice, because you couldn't throw any more salt on our wounds. Right. Absolutely. And it was number 23, where Alice was the only one to survive. And so when she came back, she got digging into shades because she wanted to put Quentin's soul to rest. Right. And, well, how the heck are we going to talk to her? Because she's in a different (sighs) timeline that's gone you know, bye-bye. Well, there's always a way, isn't there? And surprisingly, Julia yes. is the one who who mentions it. And I love the fact that Fogg did say last episode, you know, I know you and I know you won't stop looking for the answers. Right. So when she says this, he does not look surprised at all. No, no. He knows Julia very well. I mean, out of 39 times, Julia's been there 38 of the 39. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Fogg knows her really well because she basically is like him. Yeah, that was interesting to find that out, too. Right. And that, that she was basically his main pupil. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of like Penny, she was in a group that's very rare. Well, but not as rare as Travelers. Right. But that's why I think Fogg really was so upset with what had happened earlier in, well, what, the first season. With right and Julia's like no because you know she she's got him locked in his own mind and I think that's yeah I really feel like now that we've learned this that's why Fog was just so disappointed with what happened right so I I think it's interesting though because Fog's like listen okay we can use this I can't remember what it was called it was something Tesla machine yeah the Tesla Flexion Flexion okay and we only have two minutes but Julia and I can hold the spell it's like. You're trusting her, which I think is really weird because he's had no trust of her up until now. So why do you think he's trusting her so much? Well, for one, this is hopefully going to provide information that will get Julia's shade back, which will make her a better person again so that Fog can keep kind of dealing with her... um, with the knowledge magic with her. Oh, okay. See, I didn't think about it that way. Right. But they work together, and Quentin goes into this little, well, curtained-off area. And there's Alice looking just haggard and missing fingers. Yes. And that kind of messed me up. And, you know, she goes to touch him. He's like, no, 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 I'm in a different timeline. You can't touch me. I need to talk to you about this. It's really important. And so, you know, Alice, and this was breaking my heart. Because Alice is so sad. She's like, I'm so sorry. I I tried. And he's like, none of that matters. I need to know about the shade. So she tells him the little bit she knows. But I feel like at this point, 
because this is supposed to be so far along and she's supposed to have known all this and been doing nothing but talking about this, she should have had more information. But then again, I have no idea where in the timeline we're supposed to be. Right. Or does somehow all of this happen simultaneously? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Because if that's the case, how the hell does Fog keep that all straight? Yeah, in his brain. (laughs) Because if he's in every timeline, that just seems like weird. Because if it's supposed to reset, I, I didn't quite understand it. But Alice gets information. The shades go to the underworld. And you can only get there by talking to somebody older than everything. Right. The gatekeeper. And, well, now what? And she just kept saying, I'm sorry, and I love you, and I didn't mean for this. And I'm like, stop it. Right. It was, yeah, the whole scene with them two was two minutes of pure... Brutality of my feelings. Yeah, breaking your heart all over the place. You guys killed me. You're so mean. (laughs) I do believe the writer's room were probably laughing at all of us. Oh, absolutely. They said, oh, yeah, th- this will be real good way to torture all the uh, shippers out there. Yeah, that was rough. But we made it through, people. We made it through. Who knows? Maybe somehow along the way, we're going to find a way to save Alice in our timeline then. Right. I guess we have to wait for that. So Julia and Quentin go back to try to figure out what we're going to do. And somehow Julia comes across one page in a book. Yes. And she's like, okay, I think I know where what we need to do and who we need to talk to. And she turns the page over and shows Quentin. And it's a dragon. Again, yes. It's awesome. <laughs> but it's like, really? You're just going to be like, oh, I know where dragons are. It's totally cool. What the heck is happening? Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I, like, rush through everything because I get all excited with this. But I feel like there's more. So... What did you want to mention, Steve, that just seemed to really stand out this episode, just through our whole group? Well, it's really nice that we do finally get to see Julia and Quentin kind of back together with their friendship, especially now that all the other characters have kind of been set off on their own respective quests. Then hopefully um, we're going to get to see that explored a little bit more in these last few episodes. And of course, poor Quentin. You know, most of us have tormented ourselves with the notion of what might have been from time to time, but this has been almost constant in every episode for Quentin, and it's just heartbreaking. Oh, it is. I have to agree with it's you. It's just, he needs a break, man. Somebody needs to give him a break badly. I think he only had, what, like two episodes of happiness, like, at all, is what I feel right. like. Well, hopefully things will come together better in the last few episodes here. We'll find out. That's right. All right. Three more to go. Uh, There's not enough time. Okay, everyone. So if you are as upset as we are, you should write us. Fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you know, you can find everything over at fangirlzone.com and let Steve and I know what's happening and tweet with us and everything else. But you know what else helps? Good ratings. We would like you to rate and review us on iTunes and all the other platforms you find us on because good ratings help other fans of the show find us. And of course, we hope that you're enjoying it. And if you want to talk to us, you know, make sure you shoot us some some information. We can always do a roundtable discussion after the finale, too. With There apparently are quite a few fan groups out there for the magicians. I don't know if you are aware of that, Steve. 
No, I had not noticed that. But yet. there's a lot out there tweeting, and they're tweeting with oh, us. I know there's a lot tweeting, yes. And they're <laughs> tweeting with us, so hopefully we can get maybe a big group discussion going. But I think that's everything with this episode, because we're leading up to the last few, which I'm sure are going to have us in tears, because that's what they do to us. Yes, no uh, doubt. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Rapist monsters are a universal problem. <laughs> Until next time.